Mary, Emma, and Company by Ralph Moody, University of Nebraska Press, 1961, Chapter 15, A Might O Dickerin. Lord God, I give you thanks for this day, for the uh, rest we had on, on a Labor Day. I pray that we would continue to live well on this earth. Lord, thank you that not only we have the, the holiday to remind us that it is good to work hard, but it's... Um, as Ecclesiastes had also vain to work for just uh, money for increasing wealth or um, not even enjoying our toil. So I pray that kids and grandkids would enjoy the work you give them to do. They would do it heartily and gladly unto you, Father. In Jesus' name. Everything worked out fine Friday morning. Philip went to Medford Square to order the lumber and get the paint. Mr. Durant said it would be all right for him to work in, any, in my place. As soon as school was out in the afternoon, Grace met me at the streetcar line, and from the way she acted, anyone might have thought she was my mother. She had on her high-heeled shoes and her Christmas gloves, and she was wearing, carrying mother's handbag over her arm as if she were a grown-up lady. All the way to Sullivan Square, Grace kept scolding at me because I'd forgotten to shine my shoes, and she wanted to see me. She wanted to see if my fingernails and ears were clean. I tried to tell her those things didn't make any difference when we were only going to dicker with a Chinaman and buy irons, but she wouldn't let me alone. Humph, she sniffed. That's what you think. Maybe you didn't know that Mother gave me Uncle Levi's address, and if he takes us to a restaurant for supper, I don't want to be ashamed of you. Well, you won't have to be, I told her. If you could see the daub of paint at the top of your own ear, you wouldn't worry so much about how I look. That was the only thing that kept her from scolding me clear to Essex Street. She was so busy peeking at the little mirror inside Mother's handbag and scratching paint off her ear that she didn't have any time to pester me. <laughs> Mr. Househalter was right when he told me the streets in the Chinatown district ran all cattywampus, and even if we'd had a compass, we couldn't have gone straight to the eastward. So we kept turning corners till we found a street where all the stores had Chinese writing on the windows and signs. There was a Chinaman standing in the doorway of nearly, nearly everyone, hiding his hands inside his sleeves and jabbering at us as we looked in the windows. We were sure we must be in just about the right place, but we didn't see any store with new irons in the window. So Grace took Sam's note out of the handbag and showed it to a Chinaman who was standing in the doorway of a secondhand store. From the way he'd been jabbering, I didn't think he could understand a word of English, but he certainly could read Chinese. As soon as he glanced at Sam's note, he opened his door and bowed us in as if we'd been a king and queen. Then he went to the back of his shop, rummaged around for a few minutes, and brought out back an old iron with a little crack down one side. He held it out to us with his thumb over the crack and said, Very good, four dollars. Grace shook her head and said, No, that one's no good. We want a new one. Instead of taking it back, the Chinaman held it farther out toward us and said, Three ninety fifty. Three ninety five. No, Grace said, We don't want it. We want a new one. The storekeeper looked at us at her blankly and said, Three ninety. It's no use, Grace said to me. He hasn't anything but secondhand junk in here. Let's go somewhere else. If that China man couldn't understand every word she said, he certainly knew what she meant. Just a minute, just a minute, he said, reaching under his counter and brought up a brand new iron, just like Sam Lee's. He pushed it across the counter toward us and said, six dollar, just as plainly as if I could have said it. For a minute, I was sort of stumped. I'd expected him to say four fifty, and I was all ready to say one fifty. But with him be starting at six, I didn't know where, just where I ought to begin. Grace helped me a little bit by 
giving the pocket of my coat a twitch. No, one dollar, I said. It must have taken at least half an hour to get him down to four fifty, and I must have lost track somewhere along the line. I was already up to a dollar sixty-five. Grace twitched my coat pocket once uh, again, then walked away from the counter where she could whisper to me. You're doing all right, she whispered, but be careful of him from now on. Once he made you go up a dime when he only came down a nickel, and if he does it many more times, we'll get stuck. It's all right to go to 325, but don't you go any higher. We'll try some other place first. It took us another half hour to do it, but we ended up in, uh, ended up right on 325. I'd fallen a little behind, so I was at 325 when the Chinaman reached 345. But when we started to go out, he came down the last 20 cents in a single jump. That first sticker was our only hard one. And I think our starting to go out helped a great deal. We didn't have to wrangle more than 20 minutes over the price on the smaller gas irons, and not at all over the price of the spring pole, the spray can, or the starch. And Grace was positive it was the right kind of starch, because it was in little fine grains like rice. I think I might have saved as much as 50 cents on the small irons and things, but Grace nodded her head before I was nearly through dickering. And you can't do any dickering with a Chinaman after your sister has nodded her head. Until the things were all wrapped up and we'd paid our bill, I couldn't figure out why Grace was in such a hurry to trade. Then she asked the storekeeper if he could tell us the quickest way to get to Scully Square. The map he drew for us was easy to follow, and by 6 o'clock we were rapping on the door of Uncle Levi's room. Just after Grace knocked, there was a tinkling sound, and when Uncle Levi came to the door, he was sort of smacking his lips and brushing his mustache with the back of his hand. Come in, come in, he half shouted when he saw who we were. Gracie girl, how be you? What in Tunket did you fetch along, Ralph? A wagon tongue and an anvil? How's Mary Emma? Uncle Levi was the only one besides Mother who ever called Grace Gracie. She'd have skinned anybody else who tried it, but I think she liked to hear Uncle Levi say it. She didn't act a bit prim when he hugged her up tight and kissed her, but giggled like a five-year-old, and at first she didn't give me a chance to get in a word get a word in edgewise. As soon as Uncle Levi let her go, she told him we were fine, and the mother was fine, and that it wasn't an anvil I was carrying, but gas irons and a push-down pole. Then she began telling him about our Christmas, no, <laughs> began telling him about our going to Chinatown and dickering for the irons. And I think she'd have run on all evening if he hadn't cut in and asked, your victuals yet? No, sir, I said, but Grace, uh, I said before Grace had any chance to head me off. But I guess she didn't think that was polite enough and that she could fix it up if we didn't sound too anxious. Oh, we mustn't stop long, she said. Mother might worry about us. But being right in the neighborhood, we thought we'd just stop in for a minute and say hello. Thought you said you were in, down into Chinatown, Uncle Levi said. We were, Grace told him. We stopped by on our way on our way to the subway. Why, child alive, he said. There's half a dozen subway stations fixed here in Chinatown. Didn't you see? When we'd come in, I'd set the box of irons down right by the door, and as Uncle Levi was talking, he bent over to move it. He just lifted it off the floor when he stopped in the middle of what he was saying and asked me, "You didn't lug this cussed anvil all the way, from, <laughs> all the way from Chinatown, did you?" Grace started to tell him again that it wasn't an anvil, but that time I interrupted her and said, "Yes, sir." It got kind of heavy along toward the last end. It's a wonder you ain't pulled your arms out," he told me. "By hub, it must weigh nine to forty pounds. You children, hold on till I go wash my hands, and we'll hunt up some victuals. Want to come along with me, Ralph, Gracie?" You'll find the place where ladies wash their hands down to other end of the hall. I'd bet almost anything that Grace found a big mirror in that lady's washroom. 
We had to wait nearly 15 minutes for her, and when she came out, she was all primped up, with little spit curls peeping out from under her hat. Meat was just as well she took so long. It gave me a chance to tell Uncle Levi about our renting the big house on Spring Street and our fixing it up and mother's getting two customers and about the shelves and table I was going to build for her. When Grace finally did come back, Uncle Levi sang out, Bye, hub, if you ain't a spitting image of Mary Emma, once she was commencing to grow up, my recollectin's playing tricks on me. Now, my fine lady, where'd you like to eat your victuals? Grace patted her hair a couple times couple little dabs and said, oh, we really mustn't. I didn't let her get any further, but said, I saw a place in Scully Square with a man with a white uniform was frying biscuits in the window. Griddle cakes, Uncle Levi said, and tolerable good eating, too, along with a couple of pork chops and applesauce and mashed potatoes and pan gravy and butter beans and squash pie. Them child's folks wax up a larping good squash pie. How'd you like that, Gracie? If Grace ever had any an idea that Mother would be worried about us she forgot it as soon as we sat down at the table and child. She didn't usually talk very much, but that night she was wound up tighter than a dollar watch. She told Uncle Levi about Mother's buying a whole house full of real nice furniture for only $50, about Mr. Perkins having a new soapstone tubs put in the laundry room, and everything else she could think of. I ate so much it's a wonder I didn't pop, but that was only because I didn't have anything else to do. Grace didn't let me get in more more than two or three words in until she told Uncle Levi about, Levi about Mother's insisting that all the laundry work be done in the basement and about our cleaning up the laundry room and what color she and Mother had painted it that morning, that there was nothing left to be done except for me to build shelves and tables. I think she'd have kept right on going if the, Uncle Levi hadn't looked over at me and asked, what kind of nails are you going to use? Eight pennies and sixteen penny spikes, I told him. Commons, he asked. I know just what he meant, so I said, well, just ordinary nails and spikes. I suppose they're common. <laughs> Got them bought yet? Uncle Levi asked me. Before I could answer him, Grace said, Yes, sir. And the uh, lumber and the ton of coal we've been waiting for, too. The men were just delivering it when them when I left the house. You don't say, Uncle Levi said, sort of as if you were thinking about something else. Then he asked, Frank's folks have been over since you got the place fixed up. Uncle Frank has been over several times, Grace told him. But Aunt Hilda and the children haven't. Mother says that when we get everything all finished, we're going to have a housewarming. Then they'll, have, they'll all come over for a Sunday dinner with us, and we hope you'll be able to come too. By hub, I will. I will, Uncle Levi said quickly. Always did like a housewarming. Like to see all the little shavers around about a big table, poking away the victuals till they're fit to bust. Always did calculate that folks ought to move more about once a year so as to have plenty of housewarming. As Uncle Levi spoke, he took his big watch out of his vest, glanced down at it, and said, By hub. Here it is, 9 on to 8 o'clock. If Mary Emma's going to worry about you children, she's likely hard at it already. Leave me lug that anvil, Ralph. I'll see you over to the subway and get you headed in the right direction. For folks that ain't used to it, Boston can be devilish hard to find your way about after nightfall. Uncle Levi took us as far as the entrance to the subway station, and after we thanked him for our supper, he told us, Don't never thank me for victuals. If there is anything in this world I'd like to see better than a parcel of little shavers sitting up to the table and stuff in their bellies. I don't know what it is. You tell Mary Emma I ain't going to be much long, wait much longer for that housewarming of hers. I was so full of supper that I couldn't help going to sleep on the subway train, so I don't remember much about that trip home, except that our feet nearly froze on the way from the car line to our house, and that the box of irons grew heavier with every step. Mr. Househalter told me that Philip did a real good job at the store. 
And 9 o'clock that Saturday night, Mr. Durant called me over to his desk and gave me a $2 bill. I didn't pay your brother, he told me. You can settle that between you. The extra 50 cents is for those rough evenings we had during the storm. Before I left for home, I changed the bill so I'd have a 50-cent piece for Philip. Hal and Elizabeth got, had gone to bed when I got home, but the rest of the family was in the parlor and Mother was reading aloud. I came in through the kitchen door, put my dollar and a half in Muriel's purse, I'm sorry, in Mother's purse, and took the 50-cent piece into Philip. He grinned from ear to ear when I gave it to him and then took it over to Mother. Isn't that nice, she said as she, as she looked up from the book. Why don't you put that in that little bank that came with our furniture and save it? Doesn't Ralph put his money in your purse, he asked her. Why, yes, Mother told him. But you know Ralph is the man of our family, and Mother must have noticed so quickly. No, Mother must have noticed as quickly as I did that Philip's slip was beginning to tremble. Because she hesitated for only a moment before she went on, and you are my man too. So, you run right out, put your half dollar in with Ralph. I think Philip was as proud of earning that 50 cents as if it had been $50. And he was all smiles again when he came back to the parlor. Mother read to us that night until about, no, until after 11 o'clock. Oh, good stories. And Uncle Levi is exactly what we expected. I love you.